0: Seven, six, 6, you
1: You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother.
0: He has a lot of problems. Struggle to be top five in points at the end of the season. Wow. Don't you bleach your, your hair, you're a your sellout. yo what is up everyone welcome back to another episode of the moto aftermath show this is episode number 225 we've got a little different episode going on for you guys here um we are still gonna wrap up the tampa supercross round here um but justin and cole bailed out it is super bowl sunday they apparently like those ball sports they like to play with balls i'm not really sure whatever um so they're not here they're off doing stuff with that um however I did get uh coach Rob to come on and uh kind of wrap up the sh- or wrap up the race with me kind of break down some of the stuff we saw and uh talk about it and get into some of the physiological side of things with uh with some of the different racing so um got a banger episode here I'm recording this actually after getting off the phone with coach Rob and, and talking about the race here so the episode's really really good Uh, Like I said, we break down a lot of different stuff um, with the race, and it's a much shorter show than normal, so hopefully you guys like this. Comment down below if you do. Um, We're trying to do some different things with the show here, and this is a little more like uh, back to the original days when we only did like an hour-long show, so hopefully you guys will like it, and hopefully there's enough information in here that you guys don't go completely crazy in the comments. We do talk a lot about Hayden Deegan and uh, how his season's going. But before we get started and I send us into the show here, I just want to thank our sponsors. So first off, presenting sponsors, Complete Racing Solutions, which is Coach Rob's company. CompleteRacingSolutions.com. Coach Rob will scientifically help you both on and off the bike. He will help you get your diet, your training, everything dialed in so that that way you can be the most complete, well-rounded athlete possible with the highest potential to go out ride and or or do whatever sport you're trying to do even if it isn't moto related he helps with all of it um so again check them out completeracingsolutions.com also presenting the show tlr coatings check them out TLRCoatings.com. michigan's number one custom powder coating shop they specialize in everything from small batch production jobs to motorcycles to wheels to everything in between we also do Sarah um we're on every major social media network including instagram facebook youtube and um uh tick so make sure to check them out they do shipping uh nationwide so if you want to ship your parts in have them done by us we can totally do that in case you can't tell that's my company so anyway um also on board with us holster co no holster co reload rant this week i couldn't come up with anything really so I just, I don't have a rant this week. I'm sorry. Uh, but Holster Co. is on board with us. Gutterworks on board with us. JT Cycle, Adept Creative Co. for all your graphics needs. Uh, Isaac Nelson Designs and Edgewood Farms for all your CBD needs. Make sure to check them out. Links in the description down below uh, for all these companies. And uh, like I said, Coach Rob on here with me, breaking down Tampa Supercross. It's a banger. Great race. And uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. And we will, uh, please enjoy. And next week, hopefully, we'll be back to a more regular, normal show with at least Justin, maybe Cole, hopefully both of them, and Mr. Kevin Morans. But he's a Kansas City Chiefs guy, so we all know where he's at. So thanks, everybody. Enjoy. Host, obviously, have they, have to, they have to watch football because they care about it one day a year. So. Good.
1: Well, I appreciate it. I don't even know who's in the Super Bowl. I know for the guy, for the listeners that are into football, I totally respect that, but... Uh Um, when it comes to ball and stick sports, I would be the absolute last person you'd want to have a conversation with. I, I could even tell you who is a, a recent NBA player, NFL player, hockey player. I just completely unattached to those sports at this point.
0: Yep. 100%. 100%. (laughs) Um, all right. So we'll jump in here to our, uh, our Tampa race recap before we get into the actual racing action itself. Um, I want to start with something that was in the uh, the Race Day Live show here, because you'll love okay. this, because we talk all the time about these kids and their caloric deficits and all that. So I want to talk about Jet Lawrence completely shitting on the entire 250 class as he's eating donuts live on Race Day Live. <laughs>
1: well, it says a lot, doesn't it?
0: Dude, they even make the comment as they're watching, uh, I believe it was 250 Group A, they're they're qualifying too there, that Hayden Deegan's favorite thing to have for breakfast is a shake with avocados, berries, and spinach in the morning. And that's how he starts his day every morning, as Jet is literally smashing donuts. And I am (laughs) dying laughing because I am like, dude... Every other guy is like, I haven't even sniffed a donut in the last 10 years because they're telling me that I need to be at a caloric deficit to ride this 250. And Jet's like, yeah, I'm like 6'1", six six foot, whatever, and I'm just going to eat donuts because it's an off weekend. I just got to make sure I run tomorrow. Yep. Yes. Yep. All the yes.
1: Exactly. The, the biggest challenge that people have to keep in mind is these athletes are burning sometimes five, six thousand calories a day, and if you look at anything like a bag of salad, if you look at an extra large egg, if you look at some pretty fundamental items that we eat, the challenge that you run into is eating "quote unquote" healthy does not have a lot of calorie density. This is the uh, this is the paradox. This is the ultimate challenge that we have with every elite athlete: is on the front side, they're willing to do the the Eating the right things that have the right quality of food, fruits, vegetables, and lean protein high in vitamins, minerals, and macronutrients. The problem is, is the calorie density forces them to spend the lion's share of their day always constantly eating. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine, like a lot of our a lot of our top athletes, they might work out sometimes two to three times a day. Now that may sound a little bit overkill, but think about it: sleep nine hours, get a workout in. Excuse me, wake up, have breakfast two hours later, get your first workout in, eat lunch, take a two hour nap, wake up, eat a little bit, second workout, and then go into your dinner and then some soft tissue or mental development and then back to bed. I know it doesn't sound like a very glamorous life, but like Mitch Payton always says, you'll never make more money than when you're a paid racer. You get paid to travel. You get paid to race. You get paid well, and you get great bonuses. You get bonuses and salary to wear gear, win races, goggles, everything. But when you come back full circle to what you're talking about, and this is why you and I and Justin have talked about it off the air, you know, this is why I got a lot of pushback on the Ryan Dungey program with CBS because all they focused on was when I asked him if he had eaten his or ice cream before bed. And it's because of exactly what you're talking about. When you're burning, if the average individual is, um, like any of the listeners, stop and think about this. If the average individual or the average athlete is burning 5,000 calories, that's 67 extra large eggs that they would burn. If you just think about an egg, an extra large egg yields 75 calories of energy. So 5,000 5, calories burned you would have to eat 67 eggs just to break even. Is there a problem if Jet's doing a donut or two? No. Is there, is there a problem if our listeners have a donut or two? If you're burning five 6,000 calories, probably not. Now, again, you're going to get people that are hellfire and brimstone that say, oh, there's no nutritional, there's no nutritional value to a donut. I get that. But as you and I have talked about off the record, If you and I go and we buy a brand new dirt bike and and I say to you, hey, look, I've heard there's this great idea that I could save four to five pounds of moving inertia weight on your motorcycle if we run the radiators half empty and the engine casings half empty. And you would go, Rob, you're an idiot. That's going to excessively stress the system. I go, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We're going to save five pounds of moving weight how stress is that motor after just 1 hour running an engine casing half full with oil and a radiator full half full with radiator fluid even though we only have an hour on the hour meter how stress is that motor mhm and you do that week over week month over month at this point for some guys year over year the attrition rate is self-explanatory because the same way that we would grenade a motor is the same thing that's happening when you're saying because I want the listeners to understand that the only way the body can rebuild itself is through sleep and food. So if all of a sudden you start stripping the amount of food you're feeding it, how do you expect the body to ever rebuild itself? Look at your blood panel when you get it back it says, Hey, you're at a range on B6 iron, zinc, iodine, whatever the things may be. Well, what would make those blood reports back in range? What you eat and how much, I mean, it's, You guys, everybody who's listening is now an expert in blood analysis. Your blood results are nothing more than a byproduct of what you eat and what you're burning in the form of creating energy and dealing with stress. It's literally that simple.
0: It always cracks me up when we talk about this stuff because we talk about these kids riding for these teams and teams, trainers. Oh, you got to be at a caloric deficit. And I'm like, okay. Okay. So if you get down to the basic nuts and bolts of it, which we've all we've all talked about several times and, and it's not hard to to know the basic info. When you're at a caloric deficit, that means you're losing weight. Okay. Simple. That's fine. For for we'll call it 80% of Americans, we probably do need to be at a caloric deficit to lose weight. I'm one of those 80%. percent will not will not deny that. I'm I'm way heavier. Not way. I'm heavier than I should be. Okay. So I need to be at a caloric deficit. These kids. That are running anywhere from let's say 130 to 160 pounds soaking wet and burning five to six thousand calories a day because they're riding two or three 30 minute motos and they're doing an hour and a half bike ride and they're doing strength training and they're doing, you know, yoga or whatever, stretching at the end of the day. They don't need to be at a caloric deficit. They need to be eating five thousand calories a day to stay just to maintain like so it just cracks me up because it's like what what is the point like if they're at the weight they should be a a wrestler doesn't get to his fighting weight and then continue to diet to try to get lighter like that's not how this works so i don't know it's it's an interesting thing of like, what, what are we really doing? Like, why do we continue? Well, you need to be lighter to ride this 250. Okay. What is the ideal weight? Tell me that I'll get there and then I will maintain that. But don't try to tell me what I'm going to do once I get to that point. Just doesn't make any sense.
1: No, it doesn't. And this is what disappoints me when a lot of these teams hire somebody that's more of a, it's more of a bro network instead of actually a physiologist mm-hmm. and I' I'm, I'm gonna correct you on one thing nobody listening to this needs to put themselves into a calorically restricted or a caloric deficit as you called it okay and here and here's why what the listeners need to recognize is you need to con- control stress you know if, if I people who may have heard me on my own public podcast, you know, I always say stress is broken down into four categories, personal, professional, financial, and athletic. So if you're in a bad relationship, you hate your job, you're upside down financially, and then you're going to the gym and smashing yourself doing high intensity interval training, you're not going to lose any body weight. I don't care how how much of a gap you're putting between what you're eating and what you're doing. We've had people that have presented themselves to us who are gaining weight training for a marathon because their coach has them on a restricted diet, high intensity, high volume. And you can imagine, especially for our listeners, you can imagine the frustration in the vicious cycle. Let me get this straight. I'm running, I'm lifting, I'm eating, I'm counting 11 almonds a day (laughs) and I'm gaining body fat. Mm hmm. And I want the listeners to think about this. When you're restricting calories and you're going to the gym and you're smashing yourself and you're increasing body fat, when are you going to realize that that model doesn't work?
0: Yeah. Stress is the great equalizer. I've seen it myself too. And I know this is terrible to talk about myself, but it's like I I have seen it literally of like, okay, I'm working out. The diet's not great, but it's... there. You know, there's there's some there's some dieting going on and it's like, I'm not where's why is there not weight falling off? Like, I don't understand. And then it's like, okay, well, now you're in my case. Now I'm legitimately an adult. I have a child. I have a business. I have all this stress outside of it. And it's like, okay, well, this is this is what's happening And now I have this wonderful Garmin watch that tells me when I'm tired and when I'm stressed and oh, by the way, you're getting sick, even though you don't feel it by tonight, you'll be sick. So that'll be awesome. So it's, yeah, it's good. It's good. So,
1: well, and you bring up a really good point. None of us that ride moto would, would completely disregard the hour meter. And then on the flip side of that, none of us would take a motor that has a lot of hours on it and, and say, you know what? I'm going to take this this motorcycle that's got 100 hours on it, and I'm going to take it to a track like Millville or Glen Helen or something that has a lot of elevation change because we would not have confidence that the motor would not let go when it goes from full load to no load. But yet, if you're running around calorically restricted, you're increasing the stress. When you increase the stress, and I want anybody who's ever been around an infant, if I take a young child, three months old, and I bathe him or her, and I I get them all nice and warm, but I don't feed them, and I put them in their crib, they're going to cry all night long because you have not satisfied appetite. And that's what we refer to as the hierarchy of needs. When you lay down at night and you're calorically restricted, your body does not care about going to sleep, but your body only releases HGH, human growth hormone, and testosterone when you're in a deep level of sleep, REM3. So if you reverse this whole scenario, you're not you're not satisfying appetite before you go to bed. Now you don't sleep deep. Now you don't recover. You don't recover and your body doesn't release the hormones that make you naturally leaner. That's why you wake up fatter than before you went to bed. Yep. So when people see that the, the belt keeps getting bigger, you know, for women, their intimate clothing keeps getting, you know, they got the back fat and all the frustrating elements. <laughs> so what do they do? They go to the gym, smash themselves. They starve themselves. Starving themselves and creating more stress in the gym only negatively affects sleep. And unfortunately, the dominoes are falling the wrong way until they just give up. They go, you know what? I'm just destined to be overweight. That's not true. We have a very, 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 very large weight loss and general fitness division. And the number one thing we do is have them eat every couple hours so that we stabilize blood sugar and reduce stress on the system. We make sure that all of their exercises low stress, walking, elliptical, swimming. We make sure that they sleep at least eight hours a night. And guess what? The body fat falls off of them. Mm -hmm. I didn't create physiology. I don't create the principles of nutrition, but doing this for 38 years and seeing people that report themselves to our, our office and go, okay, I've starved myself, I've smashed myself, I can't sleep, I've got night sweats, I'm craving simple sugars, I have no sex drive. Okay, how much longer are you going to continue to do what you've proven doesn't work, knowing the result that you're getting? And people say, well, when?" because this is what I think's interesting at your initial comment. When I say to people, eat fruits, vegetables, and lean protein, snack and graze every couple hours throughout the day, they go, oh, that doesn't work. Well, what you've been doing hasn't worked, so how about giving a chance to try something a little bit differently?
0: Yeah, I watched it. Let's go get this. I watched a TikTok the other day, and the guy starts off with, well, if you really want to lose weight, you got to start with a 72- or 48-hour fast, and I laughed out loud and went, yeah, I I don't think that's uh, really going to – I'm not sure that that's the key here, bud, but okay. We'll just just move on from your conversation there.
1: Yeah, for all of our listeners who may have have tried – you know, essentially starving themselves for all the listeners that may have tried to do high intensity training for all the listeners that have tried to do both of those combined. Here's the takeaway from all of this. Always apply it against the world of mechanics. If you wouldn't run your oil low, don't run your food low. Mm-hmm. If you wouldn't run your radiator low, don't allow your hydration levels to get off, uh, off at a of balance. If you wouldn't rebuild your motorcycle on a regular cadence, please make sure that you give yourself out. Just literally treat yourself with the same attention to detail that you do the mechanical. Because I say this all the time. If we, if anybody who's listening to this was walking down the street and they literally burnt more calories than they consumed and their bodies physically stopped exactly where it was at, just like a motorcycle. You run out of gas, you're stopped. If. You ran the oil low and it grenaded the bottom end of the bike and it stopped on a track. We wouldn't let ourselves become void of high quality fat. We wouldn't, if the motorcycle, when it, you know, the radiator has a leak and it overstresses the motor and it locks it up because of excessive heat. If we became, by physiological all evaluations, we became dehydrated, we literally dropped dead. We would seriously take, and, and not to take light of anything, I've got some athletes that are diabetics. Yourself, myself, our, our pancreas releases insulin the way it's supposed to. So if we screw up and we eat bad food or whatever, our pancreas adjusts and produces insulin accordingly.
0: Like the 27 well, chocolate you, chip cookies I ate today. Yes, that would be it. Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, but think about it. If anybody that's listening has a family member that is, you know, an insulin pump dependent diabetic, mm-hmm. It is literally life or death. So what do they do? They don't They don't screw up because they know it could cost them their life.
0: Yep. Yep. All right, but Coach.
1: Because our body will adapt, that's why you have people out there coming up with all these completely asinine type of uh, methodologies of nutrition and exercise. So, Yep. All
0: right. Well, let's move on. Uh, let's talk about the race here now. Um, so 450 Race Recap going to be brought to you by our friends at Gutterworks. Always well hung. Just like Justin Parsha. If you don't know what that is, look it up. You'll find it. Um, anyway, make sure to check them out. Links in the description down below if you're in the Southwest Michigan area. Exterior uh home modifications, as well as amazing seamless gutters. Josh and Kayla over there doing great things. Uh so 450 race recap here. So Cooper Webb gets a win. Let me ask you this, coach. Do you think he gets another one this year?
1: Boy, oh boy. Uh, Yes, and here's the reason why. We all know that Cooper Webb and Aaron Plessinger not doing on KTM, not doing well on a KTM, has nothing to do with their fitness. Mm -hmm. It has everything to do with that bike. Everybody knows that bike was a stink bug last year. We know that both Cooper and Aaron have been very vocal. We know that they've made some significant changes this year. If you look at all of the rounds, even when, when Cooper had a bad race, Uh, last, what would have been, what was the last race? Houston, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, last week, yep.
1: Yeah, I mean, Cooper's bad race was still what, fifth or sixth? Yeah. That's a stark contrast to what we saw last year when he was running outside the top ten. Yep. I hate to say it because I like Christian Craig, but I feel like there's been, essentially, the the black cloud that was over KTM last year is now over Husqvarna. Christian Craig is a beast in the whoops, and this would have been his ideal track. It didn't materialize. Mm Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, I believe that the KTM, they've got it worked out. I mean, I even said to Michaela, the idea that Cooper and Aaron both were on the box, unbelievable. Now, we all know Eli had an off night. Who cares? You know, um, we talked about it, even you and I. In fact, it was exactly you and I. When you said, what do you think about Eli? Is it, is it a problem? And I said, no. I said, he just had an off night. And then he came back last week and stamped it and made a pretty big statement. Yep. You know, we, we have to realize, and, and Eli even quoted himself by saying he didn't feel good on the bike, didn't feel good on the Who cares? I mean, you go back to Bailey, Johnson, Wardy. There, those guys, they were very open with, hey, that was the best I had tonight. We're going to move on to next week, especially with there being 614 races this year. <laughs> Plenty of time to make stuff up. So, yes, I think Cooper uh, and I think anybody that – is really a student of the sport. Cooper had to win last night if there was going to be a momentum change. Anderson needed to win if there was going to be a momentum change. And Cooper got the win. I think, unfortunately, Anderson has officially blown it at this point. And I like Anderson. I, I had him, if you would ask me who I had for 450 main event, I had it going Eli. I had it going Anderson and Sexton and third. Hmm. And... Because of freaking him and Barsha, uh, it, what Chris Cooksey say? It's like a spots on a leopard. They just they never change.
0: Yeah. Well. So, um, I'll get to Anderson in a second here. So, so my thoughts on on Cooper Webb is I think last night was the perfect storm for him to win that race. In my yeah. opinion, Cooper Webb does not have the speed to go with Chase or Eli. Obviously as we saw for the first 15 minutes of that race he kept trying to get close to Chase and and really couldn't do it like he was within 2 seconds but that was as far as he was going had Chase not weeded it through the whoops and we'll get to Chase weeding himself up um there i mean like Coop won to one that you know we talk about I and I get a lot of the keyboard warriors in the comments when we talk about Hayden Deegan being handed that fourth place last week. Same thing with Coop. Coop got handed this win last night. Eli had an off night. Um, Sexton crashes. I mean, this is this is what we talk about when we talk when we were talking over the summer of like with, uh, with with Eli and Chase. Like, oh, can anybody else get in and win one? Well, yeah. Well, maybe on the perfect situation that they both have an off night. Last night just happened to be that perfect situation. So unless this perfect situation comes around again this year. I don't think we see anybody else win. I really think you're going to see a lot of the same thing we saw over the summer, which is going to be Eli and Sexton just winning every single race. Now, which one is going to win? I don't know because Sexton seems seems very – he's he's become very humbled, I think, throughout last summer. It really humbled him having to fight with, uh, with Eli. It also grew him in a great manner um, – as far as like helping him to develop here into the into the racer he needs to be um he knows where the holes in his games are and as soon as he can fix those which we kind of saw happen last night because if you go back to houston he talked about not transitioning lines quick enough or at all in that main event and that's what cost him that houston main event now you go to last night and you watch, he was pounding that inside line in the sand. And then all of a sudden, he knew Cooper was kind of getting closer. And you see him start taking the outside. And then he realizes, well, the outside's kind of going away. Like, it's not really there. And then, boom, he's back to the inside. So you saw him start to do that. Now, he fucked up. And he openly admits he fucked up. And that's what cost him in the whoops. He think- he went and stood and looked at the whoops after the after the main event was over and he knew he should have switched his line to the left side where the whoops were a little bigger, but there wasn't that rut like what he had going down the center there where again, he gets off by a little bit front wheel starts ping ponging back and forth and boom, he hits the deck. So, um, yeah, long story long there. I do think, I, I don't think Cooper Webb is going to get another one this year unless everything lines up perfect like it did last night. And, the Chase Sexton thing, I'm with Ricky on this, as he talked about on the broadcast. He's got to figure these mistakes out because what's happening right now is costing him. He's closer, but it's costing him to Eli, and it's only going to get worse when we see Jet come into this class next year. So, yeah, I don't know. What What are your thoughts on Sexton and the mistakes here? Because that that's obviously a problem for him at this point.
1: One hundred percent. I think he gave it away in the interview where he talked about he noticed that Cooper was coming mm-hmm. and Cooper got in his head. And it's exactly like what Tomac was able to do. There's nobody's going to argue with the, the speed that Sexton's got. Nobody. But what Sexton's been able to kind of gift to everybody else is if he if he gets pressured, he, he cracks. Yep. You know, he talked about going through the whoops. He caught that rough edge and all that. I totally get it. I mean, we saw, goodness, we saw uh, AC do it in the 250 class at Vegas a couple years ago. We know catching that little edge can throw you off. But literally on the podium, five minutes later, he says, yeah, I saw Coop coming and blah, blah. So immediately what it tells me is he's starting to watch everybody except himself, and then he throws it away. We saw it late last year during the summer as well. Um, So, yeah, I agree. Coop will get some more wins, but not because he's got the speed, but because he's incredibly crafty. Um, it's amazing to me how all of a sudden now, when you look at the top points, it literally is a three man game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's literally a Tomac Sexton Webb. I mean, I know the points emulate that 113, 111, 109, I think it is. Yep. But at this point in time, Roxon's going to be 5'6 until he gets tired. He's going to go 10'11. Aaron, he's going to continue to pick some things up, but he's not going to speed so he's four or five ac he's obviously in it to win it you know so he's going to finish the season he'll be top 10 i'm very disappointed not colt nichols hasn't disappointed me i was really hoping colt nichols would really i know he's still top 10 but he's not getting the results that i was hoping he'd get on the honda and maybe be able to ride outdoors
0: yeah it's just going to be a big nod he had um I don't know if you're aware. He's had a groin injury, I guess, for the last few weeks. Here. Yeah, it's so brutal. They, Yeah, yep. so they said he hasn't really been able to ride, and this week he could kind of ride. He wasn't super stoked. I watched like a How Was Your Weekend or something video today. He wasn't super yeah. pumped on how last night went. He did finish 11th there. Um, yeah. I, I agree with the thoughts that you've got. Like, like Plessinger, I think, yeah, he's a he's a 3-6 to six guy this entire year. They fixed that. they Whatever was going on with the Austrian brands last year where there was a black clo- black cloud over all of them. They've fixed the orange ones. They yep. still haven't fixed those white ones. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> those white Austrians, it's. I feel bad for Christian because it's going to be a long couple of years for him here unless they figure something out or, or whatever parts they took and put on the KTMs. If they get those machined and put on the Huskies here before the end of the year, then maybe... Okay. But if they don't and it's not till next year or they don't at all, oh man, that's that's rough. That is rough well, the, there.
1: The hard part the hard part for me is that Christian Craig is literally the last factory rider in the four fifty class. Yeah. Um, you say, well, um, I think Dylan's twelve or thirteen or something like that. Yeah. But Dylan's hurt. You know what I mean? Dylan is, is sat at an event, so he got zero points at Tampa. Yep. And I think he I think Christian is I think that's the only person Christian is in front of is Dylan. Um, and let's face it, Colt Nichols is on a bike that he didn't get a lot of time on. Christian's yep. behind him. Joey Savace is not on a factory bike. Christian Craig's behind him. AC is a lot less than 100%. Christian Craig's behind him. Justin Bart. I mean, until you start getting into those top four, Anderson, Webb, Sexton, and Tomac, there's no reason why Christian Craig isn't sitting there battling fourth, fifth, and sixth every weekend.
0: Yeah. And I feel bad like I said. Sense. I feel bad because we're like I'm a big Craig fan. I met his wife last year at Redbud and talked yep. to her and she's great. And that made me a big Christian Craig fan. So like to see him, I was I was very high. I was one of those kind of hype guys low key coming into Anaheim one of like rubbing my hands together. Ooh, he's going to come in. Anaheim's kind of his place and boom, he's just going to shock the world to start off his his 450 Supercross career. Now what I've told the guys and I don't remember if this was the show you were on a couple weeks ago or not when we were talking about it, the real telltale of it is going to be when we go outdoors. Cause we don't really have a lot of data on him. 450 wise indoors here. This is like, he may have, he may have rode 450 back in the day, but that's like before my time of when I really know exactly what was going on. But sure, we've seen him obviously the last couple years, 450 outdoors and he's a top five dude. So if we go for, if we go outdoors and he's not in the top five on this bike and he's floating around 10 to 15th or whatever, then we'll really know that there's a problem with this bike and and i give him credit because he's doing all the pr right now and all the interviews and everything like he was on jace's show and everything of not throwing the bike and the team under under the bus here but like there's gonna come a point where like the like the bus is gonna be about to hit him and he's gonna have to step off and just be like yep it's a team (laughs) like like it's not me it's the team
1: Here's the dangerous part. Before Malcolm got hurt, he was he was literally leading a race.
0: So that doesn't
1: bode well for Christian Craig. And it's like you and I have spoken about off the air. You know, when you've got two KTM riders, let's go to when Dungey came back for KTM and, you know, Sexton or excuse me, uh, Plessinger and Webb were complaining about the bike. And then Dungey goes out and puts it in the top five, six, seven Yep. after a year sabbatical, two-year sabbatical. That doesn't look good for Webb or Plessinger. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, when you have Malcolm that essentially throws away a lead of his own,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we can argue fuel pump like Justin said and stuff like that. Like you, and, like we all spoke about, I didn't see Malcolm's foot. If you look at that left foot, it didn't look like he tried to grab a shift. It doesn't even look like his foot moved. But that's okay. That's That's not what we're talking about here. It doesn't look good for Christian when Malcolm can come out on that chassis and lead a main event, and Christian can't get into the top 10.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: that's that's almost helping Craig out at this point, because if Malcolm's 1-2 and two and Christian's 11-12, you got to put it on the rider. When you look at the idea that now this weekend you've got Coop and Plessinger going 1-3, it this is where it, it's interesting how this sport can be pretty finicky. If all of a sudden Cooper and Aaron go one three this weekend, if they're not in that top five next weekend, they can't blame the bike.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm still going to put on my TLR tinfoil hat here and just say that the bike was the issue with what was going on with Mookie the first couple of rounds outside of him being fast as hell, but like pitching him off. And that's why all of a sudden it was, yep, I'm going to go ahead and get my knee fixed. Because we all know that should have happened last year, and it didn't. Because he had to ride the outdoors so he could get paid. So, yeah, I'm just I'm just TLR tinfoil hat in that. So, no, um, it's it's legit. Yeah. And then
1: you look at something like Justin Cooper, only two spots behind the number one guy in the 450 class.
0: Man, he is Eli Tomac. Overly Tomek, impressing me there as a rookie 450 guy.
1: Well, think about it: Tomac fifth, Cooper seventh, and Barsha eighth. Let me let me and ask this is a guy Barkshire that just qual- was just on the podium 2 weeks ago.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you this. How do they not keep him riding that 450 indoors here with the results he's putting in? Ferandis is obviously out. When Ferandis is there, I mean he can be in the top 10, but like it's like how do you not how do you not take Ferandis, put him on the bench and say, "Look, dude, let's just get healthy." And go ride outdoors and win that outdoor title again, because we all know, like, from everything I'm hearing and seeing, and this is literally direct from the horse's mouth. Tomac is is done after Supercross. Like, yes, there is yes. literally every time somebody asks him, he just laughs and he's like, "No, no, I'm I'm done." And they're like, "Well, are you sure? What about coming back for SM?" Nope, nope, I'm done. And that somebody even asked John the other day, and he was like, "Well, you know, I." I don't really know, but I think he's gonna be. And it's like, dude, no, no. Tomac, Tomac's mind is made up. He's gonna get through this Supercross hopefully unscathed, and he's gonna be like, "Yep, I'm done. That's it." Yeah. So, so how do you not take Ferrandis, who's who's won a 450 outdoor title, who obviously. He can ride supercross, but man, is it sketchy because every single year here he's getting hurt and just go, look, man, let's just do this. We've got Justin Cooper over here riding the bike. He's putting the bike in the main event. He's putting the bike way up in the top 10. Like, how do you not just keep him on there and just say, look, man, we're just going to keep you here because you, we just need these steady, easy results. Cause he has, I mean, maybe he's crashed, you know, but cause obviously sure, you don't get to sure. watch him, but it's like, it, it can't be anything bad. Because he's still pushing through to the end of the main here. So I just don't understand how you don't make that make that audible here in the middle of the year here like this and just be like, look, man, just keep going. Just keep putting in these these five to eight place rides and keeping the bike relevant. Like and and Ferrandis you just heal up get your head back on straight after you know mangling yourself there and damn near dying in the middle of a stadium in front of everyone and get ready for outdoors because we need this outdoor title that way we can win 450 indoors 450 outdoors and at least have a solid presence 250 outdoors because we all know justin cooper that's what he really that's what we think his contract is based on here it's his 250 outdoor title that's coming up not that he's going to win it because i don't believe for a second he's going to, but still like, I don't understand how you don't call that audible as Bobby Regan. Like doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Well, it, 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 and it just has everything to do with contracts. Yeah. You know, Fran, has a guaranteed contract. Um, his salary is going to get paid whether he's on the racetrack or not. Yep. And the budget can only go so far. And, you know, there's just enough money. They offered uh, Jay coop just enough to keep them fresh in Supercross for the potential of what could be next year. Um, As you guys have talked about on your show before, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of moving parts at the end of the season in the 450 class. So Yamaha, particularly Star, doesn't want to lose Jay Coop. So they're giving him this Supercross on again, off again. We've got Ferrandez, who has a very, very fat contract. So he's going to get paid even when he's injured. Mm -hmm. And there's just not enough money. That's all that's what it boils down to.
0: So, Jay Coop's going to be number two behind Cooper Webb next year. There is that, uh, and then and then the next question is, is like, what the hell is going to happen with Plessinger because it's contract year for him, too?
1: Yeah, Plessinger is in a real catbird seat right now because Jay Coop goes back to Yamaha next year. You've got, um, you got Cooper Webb there, you got Jay Coop, there's one and two. You've got, like you say, Eli says, Thank you, welcome Cortez in my retirement world and he gets to spend the rest of his time with his growing family. Um, Plessinger has put himself in a real predicament. And it's, it's intriguing to me that Sexton would go over to KTM, seeing what happened to Plessinger, going from having so much speed, the top guy struggling with a bike and a chassis. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe, I guess, maybe if, the, if we look at the way that Cooper and Plessinger have kind of turned the KTM platform around, Maybe it works out well for Sexton, but it didn't work out well for Plessinger when he went to KTM. That's for darn sure. Yeah. And it didn't go well for Jacob when they changed that whole bike. He goes from defending champion. I don't think he won an, an entire, I don't think he won a single race the entire season. Mm-hmm. So Plessinger is definitely going to be in a tough situation. So if you go by each one of the colors, Yamaha becomes Cooper Webb and becomes um, Jacob. You look at KTM. They're gonna have uh, excuse me, they're gonna have Sexton over there. Obviously, I don't think they're gonna keep Marvin. I don't think they'll retain him. It's interesting seeing what happens with Tom Vial. Um, I'm not saying they're gonna move him up to the four fifty, but you know, we know Plessinger. Now, here's the other thing. Let's say that they bring Sexton over to KTM, they probably could keep Plessinger for seventy five percent less, eighty percent less than what they're paying them now.
0: Yeah, maybe. The other thing is, is I've heard rumors of Dylan going over there, too. So there's I've heard I've heard two different rumors over the last two years with him. It's either going to KTM or going to Kawasaki. Now, I don't think Kawasaki is going to be the thing because I think they're going to be full because I think AC's contract goes through next year. I have a hard time seeing Ando not renewing a one year deal for next year too and just staying with that team. So it turns into okay, does Ferandis go over there uh next year too? But then that's a interesting dynamic with Ferrandis and Chase, especially because Chase is trying to get away from being, you know, a, a level playing field with someone on the team. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Plessinger stay there either, but that's super interesting i don't know but it, but gonna... it
1: wouldn't it wouldn't be the first time though that ktms run a three-man team i mean they brought dungie in yeah that's with true webb too. and plessinger there and if plessinger willing to, to pretty much race for bonuses only yeah or you know maybe a hundred grand or whatever now you could have aaron it never hurts to have three guys trying to shake down a bike yep especially if right now since dylan ferranda's I mean, we're certainly not making a mockery of him knocking himself out last weekend, but no. you get enough of those, as we know. The sport has amnesia, doesn't they only remember, as we always say, you're only as good as your last race. Well, when contract negotiations come up, Yamaha deals over. Yep. He either stays at Yamaha for very, 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 very cheap and was a third man there. Yep. Goes to KTM as the number two guy, Plessinger's the number three
0: yeah, that could be too. That would that would be interesting. So and then Ferrandis, but if Ferrandis
1: doesn't have a killer outdoor summer, it's a perfect scenario for Sexton to be back as the number one guy in the team, yep. which he's not going to be at Honda when when Jet goes up. So there's where the musical chairs goes in, and then here's the big what if. I hate to say it, but Colt Nichols isn't going to be retained at Honda. So that opens up one spot there. Does now air? does now Dylan possibly look at going to Honda? You don't think, what other guy is coming
0: up? You don't think um you don't think they retain Colt for Supercross only next year too, to get them to bridge them until Hunter moves to the four fifty and for outdoors next year?
1: Well, but think about it. Jet's going four fifty outdoors, Jet will be four fifty Indoors next
0: year, yeah, yeah, I know, but Sexton's leaving, so they so then they'll only have one 450 indoor, or like I said, or they bring Colt back for another one year deal, like maybe they keep him as a test guy or something over the summer here, not riding outdoors, but just a test guy or whatever. Small salary, hey man, stay in California test the bike for us, help us get stuff dialed in. So that way when Jet, is, you know, makes his 450 indoor debut next year, we're like set, like we're cool, we're running. And then they keep him on as, you know, a super a second Supercross guy for next year. And then, like I said, then Hunter will come up and then the two-man team is Hunter and Jet for the next however many 27 years that they want to, you know, ride dirt bikes professionally. So
1: Yeah, I apologize. I misunderstood you. I think that they would, they being... Honda, I think they would try to get Dylan Ferrandis only because if Ferrandis hadn't, you know, DNF'd and knocked himself out at Tampa, and he had kind of abysmal. You know, I mean, obviously, knocked himself out at Houston, didn't race Tampa. He still finishes in front of Colt Nichols. Yeah, opening <clears throat> two rounds.
0: Yeah, that's true. But I mean, because it,
1: the million-dollar question is, is Yamaha seeing any value in Ferrandis, and we know he's great outdoors. Yeah. But as you and Justin said, Justin articulated it the best. He just needs to pull the plug on. He's just not a Supercross guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. So now
1: we say that. Now here, here's where I sound like a total asshole. This is a guy that just won the 250 championship just two,
0: two years ago, and is a top so 10 how do we say, 450 guy in Supercross. Yeah, yeah like like it's a yeah. dickhead thing. How do we
1: say he's not good at Supercross when he? Yeah, you know, he did the classical takeout on Christian Craig, but. Yeah, I'm going to take that back because I'm using a little bit of moto amnesia here. Yeah, the guy hauled ass on the 250 indoors, so I can't say he's not a a good Supercross guy. I'll take that back.
0: He has really bad luck with Supercross, put it that way. Um, Absolutely. All right, so Eli Tomac last night, man, he was off
1: all day. He was miserable. Yeah, there
0: there was nothing yesterday that was the Tomac we've seen the first I can't even keep track of what round it is because we had the whole Oakland debacle here. So, I don't even know. We, hey, 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 let me let me interrupt you on that. These poor truck drivers go from California to Tampa, go back to Oakland. No, no, we went we went California to Houston yep. to Tampa Houston, back to Tampa. Oakland and back then we back to Oakland. And then we come back to uh Do we go to the? No, I think we, we go, to go to Dallas. To I think we go to Dallas. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Oakland, Dallas and then back to Daytona.
1: Can you imagine how much that costs the factory teams to run that 18-wheeler from California to Tampa, back to Oakland, back to Dallas.
0: Yeah, and it's not even Southern California. It's Northern California. Oh. So we're going 5,000 miles of driving here, boys. One I don't even
1: understand I mean I'm not a you know I don't drive for a living but how many I mean like literally driving how many hours a day did it take to get from California to Tampa the race is over and I, I don't know if you guys have ever paid attention to when the motor when the races are over when those bikes get put back in the truck that night those guys are putting five six hours on the truck yep. they're, they're heading now yep it's a convoy with all those guys. I don't know what the mathematics on that are because let's say there is press day on Friday. That means you got to be there Wednesday night, Thursday morning, wash the truck, get the awning set up for press day on Friday. And they only had essentially six days to do that.
0: Yeah. This is one of those, this is one of those halls where they, um, they call in a secondary driver. I've heard them talk about this before. So they, so they'll switch off, especially nowadays. And with those teams, because they're so high profile, of stuff like some of the privateer teams may skirt this issue and I don't know who it is or what it is, but anyway, but with the high profile teams that have to keep, because everything now is an electronic log book and all that stuff. So you can't fudge it like you used to. So they can only yep. be on the road for whatever it is, eight hours, seven hours, whatever it is at a time before they got it. And I'm sure someone in the comments will destroy me with my knowledge here of truck driving because it's not my specialty, but I do know there's a certain amount of hours they can keep. They cannot fudge it anymore because of the electronic log books. But like I said, I have listened to some stuff with some of the some of the factory truck drivers, and they talk about these long hauls like this within a week like that, where they call in a secondary driver and they will swap out back and forth um, because, yeah, because they got to get there because I believe so. I'm not 100 percent sure. I know from about where I am in Michigan here, which I know is northern compared to southern, but I know it's about like 32 hours, I want to say. To LA from here driving. I've looked it up before about driving yeah. out there with my bike or whatever. So I assume yep. from Tampa to Northern California has to be 36 plus hours. So mm. yeah, it's. Now uh, stop
1: and think about a high five knuckle punch to all the truck drivers so that a 450 rider can make 100, 150 grand bonus with a win. A 250 rider to make. Fifty to hundred thousand for an evening win. They literally have to put that grind together from Saturday night to Thursday press day. Tear it down. Drive back to California this week so that the mechanics, the managers, they just jump on a you know a, a flight. I'm not going to say it's private, but they they get a flight out, and that driver's literally been on the road two and a half days east, two and a half days west. Day and a half back east, all in three weeks. Nothing but mad respect for those truck drivers. Yep. Nothing but mad
0: respect. 100%. 100%. So, mm. um, all right, let's continue on our 450 thing here. Um, So AC, yes, sir. AC last night looked really, really fast, and I kind of thought, oh, man, like maybe this is going to be the day that it starts to click and pull together for him and he gets closer to the top five or whatever. Uh, 12th place That's <laughs> not, it's not as much better. He did complete all the laps though. We did all the laps yep. and we're very high this year on just do all the laps, man. So, uh, but how many more races are we going to go here before it starts to, starts to click for him here and we can, we can finally get more towards that top five where he probably should be because that speed is there.
1: Well, in all fairness, though, I mean, I think right now I looked at it earlier today. I think he's sitting at eighth in points. And when I looked at it, he's got Barsha, Plessinger, and Roxen. And I like what you just said. What would it take for him to get inside the top five? got a healthy Barsha, a healthy Plessinger, and for all intents and purposes, a healthy Roxen. And he's only in eighth place. Not even 20 points. What is he? I think it when I looked at it, AC was like 67 or almost 70 points. Yep. And you had Roxon at like 90, 92 points. But to your point, AC is not completely out of that top five with guys that above him that are, for all intents and purposes, healthy unless there's something going on that we don't know.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't think Roxon's going to continue to keep in that top five. I love him. Love what he's doing for Suzuki um he was not comfortable last
0: night you could see him jumping through the whoops there and when and ricky even said when you're jumping through the whoops you're not comfortable so especially early yeah which is weird because we saw that bike and we saw the not comfortability and then we see whatever it was there a2 when he does that three on three off whatever that craziness there in that rhythm section you're like "Uh uh-oh they're starting to get that bike figured out like we're good and now it's like uh uh-oh Maybe we took some steps backwards, not really sure. So I all in all yep. though, with with Ken getting off the AC track for just a second here, I do think that Ken's stuff is more bike related than actual physical health related at this point, which is a big positive compared to where we've been in years past. Cause in years past you would be like, oh man, it's all physical. It's all him. It's not the bike. Right now I'm sure t- I'm I am i am i have not seen the physical side of it where I'm like, uh oh. But the bike is a completely different animal that I don't think they have figured out like they want to at this point.
1: Yeah, but let me play let me play the asshole card here for just a moment. You you and Justin are much better with the uh, what is the last time that Suzuki was updated? Two thousand and nine?
0: Uh twenty seventeen? Okay. So it's it's Something more like recent that. than I remember. Yeah so, okay. so like it's it's not a huge change since 2009. Essentially, if you were to go down to the bare bones, it's still a 2009. But 2017, they did make some more significant changes that made it better-ish.
1: But think about this. He's in fifth place against a 2023 KTM in Plessinger, yep. a Gas Gas and Barsha, yep. a KXF AC, Savachi. Colt Nichols and Christian Craig and Dylan Fernandes. Dylan will give him a hall pass because he didn't finish the last two rounds. So if you look at the top 11 guys, because I was looking at this earlier, Ken Roxon on a platform that's considered prehistoric is sitting in fifth in front of five other guys on quote-unquote up-to-date, state-of-the-art factory platforms. Yep, 100%. Ouch. Yep. Ken Roxon is a freaking machine well and now, if you
0: if you go down okay you get to say 9 10 11 12 joey savacci yeah. christian craig colt nichols adam c and cirillo would love to be struggling to be in the top Instead. five <laughs> at races now, but think
1: about this but think about this correct me if i'm wrong isn't Roxanne only a point behind anderson
0: yeah he's not he like he's right there in points all right too. so
1: here's here here's what i want the listeners to stop and think about Anderson, two years on a platform that he knows. Ken Roxon three months on a platform that's prehistoric, and he's a one-point differential. Yeah, Anderson got into it with Barsha. And by the way, like I said earlier, I had it going Tomac, Anderson, and Sexton for top three. That's what Cooksey and Hopper and I talked about. Yep. The bottom line is Anderson picked himself up off the ground after running into Barsha and ran himself all the way up into the, what, 5th or 6th over sixth, uh, yeah. last night?
0: Yeah, 6th place. I mean, he rode his ass that's off insane. last night. Yep.
1: I mean, that's
0: absolutely,
1: absolutely insane. So we know that he's got the doggone speed. He just needs to get Barsha out of his head. He just... And I get it. You know when you hate somebody and just every time you see him, you just want to throat punch him? Yep. I, I respect that's where Anderson's at. He just... He freaking cannot stand Barsha. And hey, couldn't you imagine Barsha coming through that sand section and seeing... Anderson over there in the dirt, you know, laying in the sand. He's like, ha, 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 you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised Barsha didn't just run him over or run into him, just, you know, kind of, well, we'll get into the 250s here in a moment. But yeah, the same way that uh, when uh, Thrasher jumped up, came out of the sand section, oh, and went oh, from the we'll, inside out. We'll
0: get to that. We'll get yeah, to that. I said to
1: Michaela, I said, oh, that was a really big mistake. And, when he looked back, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. I didn't know it was going to be that good, but yeah. I, I knew there was going to be some some dynamite in that corner. Yep. But yeah, Ken Roxon fifth on a platform that's, I mean, I hate to even use it because it's overused, but Kickstart Kenny. I mean, think about that. I mean, props to Kenny. I, I said to Michaela when we were watching, I'm like, when was the last time, and I know the commentators have spoken a lot about it. When was the last time a yellow bike was even in the top 10 yep. in yep. a 450 class?
0: Nope. You're I mean, right. and with
1: only a couple months to shake it down, I mean, I know there's arguments that he had already chosen the Suzuki long before he tested all the other stuff, For you know, he's testing the other bikes as kind of like a media thing. That's fine. Props on Kenny. He's, he's, he's good at marketing, you know? Yep. But holy cow, you got to give credit where credit's due.
0: Yep. 100%. 100%. So, um, all right, so I know we don't have a lot of time left here. Anything else with 450s that really stuck out to you here? Because um, we no, pretty I much mean, covered think, everything that yeah, I really it, had to talk about. So,
1: I think after last night, I think we pretty much have seen it's going to be a, a three-man race. Every once in a while, you're going to see Anderson shaking it up in there. But um, Tomac, Sexton, and Webb, it's going to be those three. I, I do agree with what you said earlier. I don't see anybody outside of Tomac and Sexton having that raw speed. Mm-hmm. Um, and if Sexton can keep it up on two wheels, I mean, we saw it in the heat race. He put last weekend at, at Houston. Holy cow. Um, I think Daniel Blair said he, he he took him to school, I think is what Daniel said. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then uh, Tomac, I give him credit. He, he stepped up at, at the main event there in Houston. But, man, uh, I think pretty much the momentum is – Cooper got the win that he needed. It's going to make for some really good, you know, like you said we're only here on going into fifth round or sixth round depending on who you talk to, but I'm um, isn't it crazy? Every year before the season begins, we say this is the deepest field anybody could win, and we've seen literally in the first five rounds here it's it's a four-man race.
0: Yeah. Yeah, with a possibility so, of only like three winners here. So <laughs> that's crazy. Yep. Crazy, crazy. Yep. All right. And
1: uh, before we go into two fifties, high five knuckle punch for Kevin Morantz. your boy,
0: seventeenth,
1: sitting in points and seventeenth. Yep. I think that's the highest he's ever been in his career, isn't it?
0: Uh, probably. Yeah, I would say so. So, props
1: to him. I don't know if he listens to the show. I know he's busy, but if he gets a chance to go back and listen, good job, Kev.
0: Yep. So, um, all right. So four fifty race recap there was brought to you by again our friends at Gutterworks. Always well hung much like Justin Barsha. So anyway, <laughs> uh, in, in between here, I want to just thank our presenting sponsors again, TLR Codings and Complete Racing Solutions. Complete Racing Solutions with Coach Rob, who is on the phone with us. That's right. Happy Not only is he on it, the show, you guys are killing it. supports the show, loves the show, gives me all sorts of awesome directions i should go with my actual fitness and you know what i just then i'm just like man but cookies and uh yeah so it's, it's just a problem <laughs> for me so um anyway all right moving on because uh, i know coach we're getting short on time here with you uh 250 no worries, man. 250 race recap uh brought to you by our friends at adept creative co adept creative co for all of your motorcycle graphics needs they make great graphics kits They have all sorts of cool designs. Make sure to check them out. Discount code and link in the description down below. Um, So the 250, I got to say, so uh, Coach, I have recently... Uh, we've recently upgraded the internet at the household, which is part of the reason why I call you on FaceTime audio. Now, when I call you here for the show, because, uh, we have yes. to run it through the Wi-Fi, And so, um, we are able now in the house, even though we kind of live in the country to stream the races. So I have recently purchased, uh, or my parents have purchased a fire stick for their television as well. Nice. Uh, so they have the Peacock app on the TV. So now all day Saturday is also spent <laughs> them watching, motocross and supercross because my dad kind of likes it so <laughs> i'm not sure i'm not sure my mom's super is thrilled about watching it all day uh but she does watch well, tell, races tell
1: your mom tell your mom i said hello miss the her
0: i will sweet lady i will um but anyway uh she did say that, man, after that 250 race last night, the 450 race was a real letdown. (laughs) And to (laughs) to be honest with you, I could not agree more. Uh, That 250 race was absolutely wild. Now, I will say, I did not think Hunter was going to make a comeback last night. The rain was coming in. The track was getting slicker. Um, The ride he put on last night was an absolute fucking clinic of never give up and coming down to even the last two corners there with thrasher i i'm just like holy crap this is amazing um i will say with hunter's race um outside of it it was amazing the few times he tried to pull the move that Thrasher pulled on him there at the end where he tried to jump from the inside sand corner to the outside sand corner to kind of T-bone, whoever the hell it was he was trying to pass. I don't even remember uh, yet, yeah, dude, after the first time and you saw that didn't work, we probably should have backed off it. And I know my best friend Hunter is listening right now, so he'll take this advice to heart. But um, <laughs> but yeah, we, we probably should not have done that like three times in a row. We probably should have backed off after the first one. Uh, but seeing Thrasher kind of pull it off, that was impressive. And then, man, to come into that last corner and actually have the whereabouts to stick it into Thrasher, but not hard enough that you both go down and then still have to drag race into that finish line jump absolutely incredible and you know the uh you know we talked about tomac perfect season jet perfect season obviously those are gone two rounds in here hunter's got a perfect season going <laughs> could hunter be the one to go nine and zero? i don't know but that was impressive last night
1: no it was definitely an impressive race
0: and i do agree with
1: you and um, you know, there's always two sides to every coin. We love the competitor in hunter and hunter, and yeah, hindsight's 2020. 20 and you know, when we're sitting on our couch with a cold beer and we're telling Hunter how to navigate the landscape, Hunter knows time is money, money is time, and he's trying to force the issue. And he, he saw a couple times, okay, yep, yeah, I tried it, didn't work out, had to change my timing up. Thrasher put a little bit of a gap, but I think when Thrasher on that last lap went from the inside and. If you go and you watch the race, all Nate had to do was hold that inside line, just get through it smoothly. He's taken the shorter route. When he comes out of the corner, he could have drifted right. He could have just kind of, kind of forced Hunter. Um, I, I don't know why Nate went wide in that last right-hand turn, especially after hitting Hunter. I thought that like I, that part I didn't quite understand. Um, I'm a little confused in Thrasher's approach on two different levels. Uh, you were going through the inside beautiful the entire main event yes hunter was going out on the outside going further distance just keep doing what you're doing and that if you go back and again i know i'm being a great armchair quarterback here and reg- i'm not saying i'm great i'm saying it's easy to critique it now that it's behind us but once he jumped out nate lost all of his momentum so now it's a drag race hunter's like okay and then when Nate drifted out wide, he just left the door wide open for Hunter. He had to have known it was coming. And Hunter's not a retaliation guy. But if you look at, and, and this is something I wanted to get your opinion on, when you look at how Hunter passed uh, Moseman, that goes back to last year. That had nothing to do with last night's main event. That had everything to do with, remember the, the crap that Moseman was doing with uh, Jet, you know, brake checking them, holding them up.
0: Yeah, yeah, they don't, they yeah. Don't, yep. They don't
1: forgive and forget. No. And I hope the listeners are really paying attention to that. That goes all the way back to last year. That's an FU to Michael Moseman, uh, which, by the way, I think it's interesting that uh, all the places I've seen Moseman's name, they've got him listed as Husqvarna. I think that's kind of funny. <laughs> um, but that's, that's another story for another day. But the idea that Nate would do that on such an experienced rider and the fact that Hunter and Nate, you know, They gave each other a high five knuckle punch. I know Nate was pretty pissed on the podium. Um, I don't know. I I say this as I'm not, I don't want to be a shit stir, but Nate running into Hunter the way he did. I think that's a bad move for Nate because Hunter's not going to forget that. Yeah. Now I know it was for the win. I know it was for the win, but all you had to do was just race bar to bar. You guys are literally a half a wheel length apart from each other, but that kind of, Hunter will rate Hunter will react and race to how people race against him. And I don't think that that's going to bode well for Nate long-term. That's my biased opinion. What's your thoughts?
0: So I don't think that that's necessarily going to boil Hunter's blood, um, with what happened there. I didn't think it was like a super dirty move or anything like that. No, I and, agree. and, you know, it Hunter, I think is also wise enough to go, you know what it was for the race win. he was trying to stop me cause he knew he was coming through. Now I will agree with you though. Thrasher's racecraft, and it's too bad Justin's not here because me and him could argue this one out because he's a thrasher guy. Um, dude, that race crap racecraft was just crap. Like, yeah, you're exactly right. Why do you go into that corner and do anything but hug that inside tough block and just like Get didn't
1: get the hell out.
0: Yeah. Like, okay, cool. Maybe you do that, maybe the track's slick and you spin and whatever. But if you go outside, you know what's happening. Like he's going for you. And you're lucky that honestly he didn't take you out worse than it was because honestly race win like that dude I'm gonna put you on the ground <laughs> like like dude yeah that
1: could have instead of it been being a second place bonus that could have been a seventh place nothing
0: bingo exactly so yeah. that to me is just piss poor racecraft which probably comes back to the whole like these kids don't race enough anymore but that's a different discussion for a different day so yeah I mean he got second but think about.
1: I don't want to interrupt you, but yeah, I no, want no, you no. to hold on to your thread of thought right where you're at. Yeah. Look at what Anderson and Barsha did to each other. Is exactly what Nate ended up doing to Hunter, and Nate's lucky he didn't end up on the ground.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: He, he literally – and can you imagine if he had thrown it away in the – well, second to the last corner in that nasty sand? Yeah. Trying to get that bike picked up because we saw Anderson during practice – he put the bike down in that corner, and it seemed like it took him seven minutes to pick the bike up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep,
1: the stuff is hard to stand up in. It's hard to get your balance. You're trying to crank the bike back up. Yeah, excuse me. You had Anstey and Deegan right on your ass. Yeah, 100%. can you imagine going from second, second to fourth? Deegan gets a podium. Anstey gets second. Hunter wins, all because you decided to just come out of the. Now again, it's easy for me to be an armchair quarterback on yeah. Sunday night. But I'm like, dude, you were so smooth through the inside. Get the hell in, get the hell out and just stay away from Hunter. And unfortunately, he goes out of the inside rut, runs into Hunter, loses his momentum. All it did for Hunter was throw him off balance. Hunter didn't lose his momentum.
0: Yeah. And yep. the rest is history. Yep. So, yeah, it was just it was just in my opinion just an episode of bad racecraft from a person that it's like
1: He's freaking out. Yeah, he's, he's just freaking
0: out. Yeah, he's freaking out because there's all this talk because of his results being so skewed between either like winning or his average finish outside of that's like seven point something. And then we've last- we've never
1: seen anything like that. Think no, about that. It win, is, win or seven point one.
0: Seriously? It's, yeah, and it's like and it's like the winning stuff is like, it's not like um it's not like James Stewart speed winning. It's just like yeah. He gets a start and like, you know, just kind of like runs a decent race and, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's gone, but it's just like normal stuff. It's not like it's not like Stu checking out or anything like that. So I don't know. He is he to me is an enigma. And I'm just the the problem I have with him is that he's just so hard for fantasy because like last night would have been an epic (laughs) pick for fantasy. But I'm like, dude, I can't trust the kid. He could do what he did and like get second and get a bunch of points and damn near win the race. Or he could get, like, 15th like he did the week before. So what the fuck are you getting? I don't know. So, yeah. um, Well,
1: but here's where I think is a big uh, fire underneath his feet is he's got, you know, it's one thing when you're one of the top two guys, but he got this new rookie, Hayden Deegan. And yep. now all of a sudden I think that tightens up thrashers. Okay, I, I, there is zero room to mess up here. A hundred percent. room. Hundred percent. Because what's Thrasher got two seasons on his belt now? Is it two fifty pro? Yeah, with Star.
0: Yeah, he's got two, and he's got three wins, and two of them are those weird Atlanta rounds when we were there for three three races and during you know whatever it was, COVID cross or whatever in twenty one there. Um, and so- Deegan
1: Deegan's got two races, two top fours.
0: And a that key messes race with win. <laughs> Nate Thrasher's seven
1: and that messes with Nate thrasher seven point one average.
0: Yeah, exactly. So oh. yeah, and we and we could get into that too because all right, I'm not so there. I don't know if you've been watching, Coach. We've been posting a lot of Deegan videos here because obviously now we're talking about him every week and like we've talked sure. about in our show two weeks ago. He moves the needle a lot for us i can post a video and it'll very easily get anywhere between a thousand and ten thousand views depending upon what kind of clickbait title i get if i put up d hayden deegan sucks it's gonna get a lot of views i don't put that necessarily but anyway um so there has been a lot of chatter in our comments about us being old fat men who are hating on a 17 year old who's worked hard for everything he's got and on and on and on and i'm here to tell you yes I I just wonder if a lot of them actually comprehend English because yes, we're critical of the kid, but that's partially our job here is to, is to analyze and be critical of people because it's sport and that's what we do. So anyway, um, this kid is very quickly proving that he is the real deal. I will, I will say last week I was like, yeah, this could be a flash in the pan. Like it's impressive. He got that fourth and he was top six and like he, um, he definitely earned the top six and then, you know, got a couple of gifts there with, like, Martin and uh, whoever else going down there to get that fourth. But maybe this is just a flash in the pan, especially when you go back two weeks ago to Futures and, like, what the hell happened there? You know, he's, like, fifth place in Futures, and now he's top four in, uh, or top five in, in the 250 East division. But then last night, <laughs> holy smokes. Yeah. I mean, that heat race, wildly impressive. Absolutely wildly impressive and then comes out in the main and just runs right in the top five again and just solid and he's and he's had a couple moments too like i don't know if you saw like in the heat there was definitely was it the sand maybe somewhere else i saw his feet come off the pegs again and i was like "Uh uh-oh here we go but then gathered it back up and just absolutely solid so i because i mean that that heat he hole shotted and and just went on and won it like that was it. He went wire to wire on that heat race. So
1: yeah. Well, the part that I think is so interesting is I kind of <laughs> want to go into three di- three different things that you mentioned. If you said, "Hey, Jordan Smith was really fast the last round," and "Hey, he fell and got fifteenth this weekend," you're not hating. You're just discussing what you saw. Yep. When you see, when you see Hayden Deegan acquire a fourth place last weekend with two or three dudes going down, you're not hating on a 17-year-old. You're just, hey, seemed like he was at the right place at the right time. No problem. We, we just talk, We just spent 45 minutes talking about Cooper Webb. He wasn't the fastest guy. He just kept wearing down, wearing down Chase until Chase made an, act, uh, an error, Catch, catches Tomac on an off day, Anderson down to the first term with Barsha. You're only describing what you saw. Yep. You're not hating on Justin. You're not hating on Jason. You're not hating on Coop. You're just stating it. So again, you little snowflakes, take a little bit of a chill (laughs) pill and just stop and think about, Hey, pull your big boy panties up and get out of your mom and dad's basement. And let's talk moto Mm -hmm. super cross. Deegan was a beast. He looked good. He looked great. I love his podium speeches. He articulates himself. Well, it's a breath of fresh air. Hell yeah. However, The thing that I find interesting is, and you said it earlier, what if Jordan Smith stayed up? Because I I get a bunch of DMs from people, and they're like, well, um, why do you think it's so easy for Deegan to be top 10? Well, there's only seven factory bikes in there. Hunter Lawrence, Nate Thrasher, I I wouldn't call Max Anstey factory Honda, Mm -hmm. Tom Vial, Moseman, Chase Hymus, and then Jordan Smith. Yep. Those are six factory bikes, and then you add Deegan. So when they go, well, why do you think he's going to get top ten? Because there's not even ten fucking factory bikes in the 250 main event.
0: I was going to say, and three of those factory bikes are rookies that are Hayden Deegan, Chance Hymas, and Talon Hawkins. And Hymas is only running four of the races, I want to say. So it's like Hymas will be out of here soon, and then, yes, then you're down to literally – you're right. Like eight eight factory bikes. Because let's see, we've got Hunter Lawrence, got Lawrence, Thrasher, Thrasher, Deegan, um, and and if we're going true factory, okay, Tom Bial, Mosman, Hymas, uh, Jordan Smith. That's it. And Blose. Nope, Blose. Blose on the on the what's Blos, it called? Oh, uh, right. and you're ta- exactly right. And Talon I'm Hawkins. Sorry. That's nine factory bikes. 30 30 percent of them are rookies so yeah so like yeah it's not that hard to be like yo bro he should be in the top 10 so that's fine he's very like i said he's very quickly proving to me though he's the real deal by running in the top five and like being up there but at the same time until he um until he makes that step and he's like challenging hunter for a win it's like, yes, he's very good and he is a hundred times no, the he's... rider I will ever fucking be in my life. But like, yeah. let's just tone it down a little bit. Now, the scary part for me with him is is that, and I'll admit when when he went pro here, I kind of thought the whole thing was bullshit about like, oh, I'm just out here to log laps and learn and blah, blah, blah. Because we've all heard about how fast he is at the test track and stuff. And you're like, there's just no way this kid actually thinks that way or believes it. Then you look at what's been happening here and how he's talking on the podium and everything. and It's like, man, if he is full of shit, which, I again, I don't think he is. But it's like, he is very consistent across the board of like, dude, I'm just here to log laps. Like, look when he won that heat race last night. He could have easily gone from winning that heat race and getting on and getting on his TV interview and being like, yeah, I'm going to go out and fucking try to like, we got to try to challenge Hunter tonight for a win. And he's like, nah, man, I'm just going out in the main to like log laps and try to see what happens. Like, what? (laughs) That's not how this works. That's not how these, that's not how you kids act. But if he is truly that way, which which every week that goes by and the way he continues to talk and what he continues to do, I'm like, dude, maybe maybe this is the real deal here, and he's just trying to log laps and do his thing. Again, I don't know. I've never really met the kid or talked to him. The family seems okay from what I see online and what I've seen at the races. The pro races that I've been at, I don't go to the amateur shit, so I don't know what happens there. That's a whole nother bag of worms that like, I'm not even going to get into, but it's like, man, everything is lining up of like not only being the real deal, but actually meaning what he says, which is like, I'm just here to ride because when you when you go in with that attitude, things like what we're seeing happen start to happen, which is you get wins when you're not supposed to. you you run right up front with the fast guys because there isn't pre you're not putting pressure on yourself. You're not like, yeah, I should be winning. You're like, dude, I'll, I'm just here to here to ride. So this yeah. is boding very well for him and I mean, if he continues but, to but log top about, fives, I don't know, man. This but, is interesting. But think about this.
1: On the East Coast, we've got Hunter, Thrasher, and I think Jordan Smith is a is a legitimate top three guy. Yep. Max Anstey's not factory, but he's, he's taking that 280, and he's taking it right to the podium. <laughs> he's doing good. Okay? Yep. But in all fairness, if you put Hunter, you put Thrasher, you put Max Anstey, and then you put Jordan Smith up there you got to remember, Jeremy Martin's right there clipping on his heels. Yeah. I know it's not a factory bike, but it's good. Tom yep. Vial. So let's just give them five guys, including Deegan makes it six. What happens when you merge back in the West Coast? RJ, Jet Voland, Oldenburg. I'm just thinking of some guys off the top of my head that are factory. And we have four pro circuit guys that are out. What happens when you add Shimoda back into the equation, Handmaker, I don't think we'll see Forkner this summer, but you stop. Let's just say that team was healthy, and then we go to the where we merge the East and the West. Which when is the first East-West shootout?
0: It is, dude. So we have two again, but it's not until okay. East Rutherford. So it's literally like the second to last round or the third to last round, and then obviously the finals. There's an East-West. So we've got a while before we're going to see them all together. But I'm right there with you when we put all the East or all the West Coast guys in there and we have then instead of nine factory riders we have 12 15 whatever, however many are not heard at that point um yep. then
1: he's a top 10 he's a top 10 dude all day long
0: yeah and and then we'll see where yeah. he slots in and then it's like okay cool this this is more of a Accurate telling. Yes, he's doing great. And all and all of you who believe in him and think that he's, you know, the next best thing, this is this is playing to your favor. But like you said, when we get to an East West shootout, and then when we go outdoors and it's no longer half the field, it's the entire field. Let's see what happens then. But it's it's going in a good direction for him, and I do believe that this gives him confidence moving forward in his career as far as like, okay, cool, I can do that. He didn't get destroyed at the beginning of his career, like we've seen a lot of these kids do. So I, I like where this no, is going.
1: No, he's he's done a fantastic job. None of us are taking anything away from him. Yep. The real litmus test is going to be merge the East, merge the West, go 30 plus two, twice in a day, 14 weekends in a row. Yep. Yep. And this is where, this is where if Hayden Deegan does not go the distance the only person to point the finger at would be how upside down and backwards the amateur motocross scene is. With the exception of the month of March, you race Daytona, Freestone, and Springading. ding Back in the day, you had a couple other Texas rounds that were out there. If you don't, you have, I'm going to use a calendar from January through, right? So if you're a top amateur, you race Daytona, you take off and you head to Freestone, JS7 race. Yep. You go to spring ding Used to be you'd go to Oak Hill, but politics has ruined that situation. Then you go right into your first area. Then you go right into the regionals. Then you go into maybe Mammoth if you're sponsor, you know, if you're an OEM sponsored rider. Yep. Then you're at Loretta's in August. Then you're back to Mini-O's in November. Yep. If you you know, let's say this last year, you bring in Ponca. You got Verb bringing in World Minis and all this other stuff. Think about when you, especially in California, when you could race every single night. My point being is the amateur system does not set, and I'm not going to take credit for this. Ironically, Hunter and Jet's dad, Dazzy, said it on the Whiskey Throttle Show. Our amateur system is so upside down and backwards, he was threatening to take Jet back to the MXGPs to make sure that Jet was prepared for the outdoor nationals.
0: Yep. Oh, you there. Coach. Uh oh. Oh, oh. You're crackling back in. You gotcha? Yep. No, I gotcha. I gotcha.
1: <laughs>
0: that that's
1: that's gonna be the demise of Hayden Deegan this summer is because the the amateur system... now, what where Deegan will make me eat crow is his dad Brian has done a fantastic job. Their training has not been geared towards amateur racing. Yeah, Brian Deegan has done a great job to make every everything possible to make Shaden's going to be ready for this outdoor summer, and we're about to find out.
0: Yep. Yeah, uh, there will be. Yeah, like I'm with you. The true test is going to be this year outdoors. See where he really stacks up. I mean, we saw him do those couple outdoor races last year and he floated around like the top ten, which was fine, you know, no big deal. Nobody nobody in the industry looked at those races he did last year and went, Oh god, this is a failure. We all went, (laughs) Yeah, that's that's about how we see it. Like you come in as a as a touted fast amateur. What'd we say? You
1: know what we said? Fuck that kid's
0: fast. Yeah. Yeah. You so, know, and
1: he went for that step on, step off, and he tried to seat bounce over, and he ate shit. <laughs> Everyone's like, hey, he tried. You know, everybody the, was – and that's what I don't understand, where the hate is coming from on supposedly about you, Cooksey, or, you know, you and Justin and Cole and Hopper and Cooksey about being anti-Deegan. Not one of you have said Deegan's not the real deal. No. It's just kind of pump the brakes a little bit on the hype and all that goes with it and all that. But in regards to his capabilities, and yes, I don't care. Last round, he got lucky. This round, he didn't get lucky. He raced extremely well. Now, here's the funny part. Tom Vial went down. Jordan Smith went down.
0: Mm -hmm. Michael
1: Mussman got clipped by Hunter Lawrence. Are those gifts? No, that's racing. Shit happens. Yep. But are we going to say he got lucky? No. I will say after the first round, he was at the right place at the right town, right place at the right time. In round this round, hell no, the kid put him. That freaking, I preach it in every performance camp that I ever put together. Drag the front brake, hug the inside, come out in the lead. He goes in in sixth or seventh, comes out in third, puts himself in perfect condition, right or position, right from the very beginning. Yep. Every young kid, watch that video, study it like a bible. The inside, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Deegan did a fantastic job, put himself in a great position for the very beginning, and the rest was history.
0: Yep, Jordan Smith, 100%.
1: He's the guy that's got to be pissed. Tom Baial's got to be pissed, and Mosman needs to realize he fucked with the wrong family last year, and he's paying the prices.
0: Well, yeah, Mosman, that that poor guy, he just, um, dude, he, I don't know. Man. Wait, to me, hold on, hold on.
1: No poor guy. Most of them reminds me of Andrew Short. <laughs> smiley face assassin. Nice, you put on the smiley face off the track, and then you want to clip everybody's front wheel kind of a Trey Canard kind of guy.
0: Yep, okay. All right, all right. Yes. Guess what? Fair enough. <laughs> you
1: got what you deserve, man. If you want to play, you want to try to block pass and break point, uh, you know, break check everybody, guess what? When you tried playing games last year, and I love it when Jet went by him last year, like, what, what are you doing?
0: Yeah. Made yep. you look
1: like a clown. You're a super cool kid off the track, but on the track, you're made to look like an idiot. Stop. Just race.
0: Yep. Do you um is he like uh is he like the new age Jordan Smith, like just can't keep himself off the ground here and like fast as hell, could win races, should be in title contention, but just is never gonna put it together?
1: I would have to say yes, you know. The one that, speaking of Jordan Smith, you know, he picked up 21 points at Houston and only got eight at Tampa. That That's what's going to kill Jordan this year.
0: I mean, Jordan Smith's just doing Jordan Smith things. Like, he he's second last week and looks good, and now he's 15th this week. Like, this, this is nothing yeah. new for Jordan Smith. I have been preaching this about Smith for since that TLD year when he threw the title away when he was out front by a mile and then wads his shit over that, uh, that whatever catapult uh, ski jump thing at, at vegas there like dude yeah like just he i, I feel bad for the kid because he's fast as hell probably a really nice kid again never met him seems really nice from what i can tell but just like cannot put it together and stay off the ground like just but just but here's what from i don't one. understand
1: though here's what i don't understand though trad okay he went down opening lap or first or second lap with the speed that he has, how did he
0: not come through the pack the way Anderson did? He probably crashed again, Coach. To be honest, I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't see it. I haven't listened yeah, I to enough stuff, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, because he went down in the sand like you know the first couple he's laps so there. Damn fast. But for as fast, and the guys that beat him, I mean, you look at him. He's in fifteenth in front of him. Henry Miller, Chris Blose, who's been on a PC bike for all of two weeks. Caden Braswell, who's a rookie. Cody Shock, Hardy Munoz, Jace Owen. Chance Hymas, and then you get to Mosman in seventh. It's like, how do you not click off all these dudes? Like, I don't understand. You're on a star bike. That's what I. You're basically touting the flag for star on this coast. Like, it's you and then Thrasher, 1A, 1B type stuff. Like, what are you doing? And then the rookie well, in, well, on your team is that, just destroying you guys. So uh,
1: That's what I was going to throw in. And then you had the third one with Deegan. You know, with Jordan's speed, okay, fine. You went down, no big deal. But how you cannot get yourself back into that top five, even maybe the top three with the speed that you had. Yeah. That's what I, that's my big question mark for Jordan going into the next round. I mean, damn, he was so much fun to watch at Houston and then Tampa. Okay. He went down, but I just figured he'd get back up and go.
0: Don't uh, get it. Don't get it twisted. He did Jordan Smith things in Houston too. He also went down in the sand in Houston, which a lot of people did, but like, just because it's Jordan Smith and he can't stay off the ground, you have to call it Jordan Smith things at that point. It's kind of like, uh, uh, it's like Joey Savacchi and the Savacchi syndrome when he was in the 250 class of like, oh man, I'm super fast, I win a bunch of races, and I'll be right there in the title fight, but I just can't close the deal. Well, Jordan Smith just can't seem to close the deal outside of the races he won in the past. Like now, I I don't know, man. It's it's yeah. wild to well, me how these guys cannot figure this out and like put it to get like. Do something mentally to put yourself in a different position than what you're in to make something happen differently.
1: Yeah. Well, in in the one thing that I wanted to kind of leave you with is the guy that I've got the most respect for right now out of everybody is Jeremy Martin. Yep. He's sitting in fourth place. He's only two points behind Deegan. And if you look at it, okay, first, second, and third is Lawrence Anstey and Deegan, all factory bikes. I don't know if you could argue Anstey's maybe not factory. Jeremy is sitting in front of in front of Tom Vial, Mosaman, Thrasher, Hymas, and Jordan Smith, and blos all on factory bikes. Yep. And there sits Jeremy. I mean, if we're gonna give a number one plate for the first non-factory ride, we'd have to give it to Max Anstey. And you know, sitting essentially eight points behind him is Jeremy Martin. Yep. That's pretty damn good for the top five two guys that are non-factory bikes, I bet you there's some pissed-off team managers and principals at these OEMs going, what the fuck is going on?
0: And Jeremy Martin's in the same boat the AC's in. He just needs to finish all the laps. Like, just go every single round, every single lap. You maintain in the top five like you've been doing, great. We don't care about a podium. We don't care about a win. We don't care about a title. I just need you to get through this. Especially, especially if I'm, uh, what's his name, Brandon Haas down there for uh, for club. Just get through this. When we get to outdoors, wick it up, and let's go try to win that title. That's yep, my 100%. whole spiel to him. Like, Supercross is great. But, but, Supercross is good. But I need an outdoor title from you.
1: But think about what you're saying. He is fourth in points behind Lawrence, Deegan. Yep. He's in front of Vial, Moseman, Thrasher. Hymus and Smith, as well as Blows. Now, again, we got to give Blows a hall pass. Like you said, two weeks on a factory bike, coming off the couch, family yeah. man, two little girls, all that. I don't hold him. I mean, no problem whatsoever. No. You know, him getting lapped last night was pretty hard to see. I will say that.
0: Yeah.
1: A full factory Pro Circuit Cowie, but like you said, he's faster than I'll ever dream about being, and I certainly wouldn't knock him. But to see him get lapped on a factory PC bike has got to make Mitch just freaking want to just ride his wheelchair right off a cliff, you know, <laughs> um, because he had such a great preseason coming in and now he's mm-hmm. 0 for four as we head into, you know, the next round. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. But uh, props to Jeremy Martin. I think he's doing a great job. And I also want to give a shout out to Colin Park. I reached out to him um, that, that heat race that looked pretty nasty, uh, especially the way he was grabbing his body, I, I hope he's okay. He texted me said he'll be back. He's fine, but uh, I don't know. Watching that and not seeing him in the LCQ was a little frustrating. So I hope he's okay. So thoughts yeah. and prayers with that bad boy. He
0: uh, he said in How Was Your Weekend, he went to A-Stars, got his lower back taped up or something, and went out rode like uh, – rode like the first two sections in the LCQ and was just like, yep, nope, this isn't going to happen. And I'm not going to come out here and just roll around just to roll around. So, no. yep. So yeah, so he'll, I'm sure he'll be back. He seems like a nice kid too. I haven't really ever talked to him. I like his mom. I talked to his mom super. at Redbud. Bud.
1: <laughs> super cool guy. Colin Parker uh, had the privilege of working with him on 85s and super nah, cool. cool dude. Same thing like with Henry Miller. I, I worked with him when he came in, uh, he moved to Florida to train with us this summer with, um, oh man uh, John the mental Blake here Isaac Teasdale and mm-hmm. uh, Jordan Bailey we had a good we had a good program going on uh, Jordan had just moved up to the 125s and then we had Isaac Teasdale and Henry Miller great guys uh, Jay Owens I've had a work a chance to work with him uh, back in his MTF days so it's cool to see these guys doing well and I just hope they can continue to stay strong it's going to be a fun summer. Yep. It's going to be a, su- a fun year, and summer's going to get even better, in my opinion.
0: 100%. 100%. So. All right, Coach. Well, we appreciate you coming on here and saving the day for us to be able to even basically do a show that wasn't just me talking about my myself pleasure, here. My pleasure, brother. So Coach Rob again with us here, Complete Racing Solutions. This is basically going to be it here for the, uh, for the end of the show here. I know it's a lot shorter show than normal, but with Justin and Cole bailing out, Coach has a limited amount of time for us to come on here and, and talk about this race to even, to even, like I said, get a show out here. This has been episode number 225 of the Moto Aftermath Show. Thanks to all our sponsors for being on board with us. Coach, thank you for coming on. And, uh, My we pleasure, will, uh, man. We will see everyone next week for the Oakland Makeup Show. So round two, but it's really round seven or Six. eight. or <laughs> I don't even fucking know because can't keep track anymore. We'll be back next week wrapping up Oakland we'll see everybody next week thank you take care guys